Welcome to the Evolution Exchange Australia podcast. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across the industry to discuss passions, challenges, and ideas. I'm Mira, and I connect businesses with talented contractors in the Sydney market. Just as a disclaimer, all thoughts and opinions spoken belong to each individual and do not represent their company. Hi, everyone. I'm joined on the Evolution Exchange today by Amit, Raj, and Vimal to discuss how to build a truly agile organization. Before we delve deep into the topic, I'll get the panel to introduce themselves and give a bit of insight into their positions. So, Raj, if you wanted to kick things off for us, please. Sure, Meryl. Thanks. Thank you for having us um, again. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, my name is Raj Sananayaka. I'm a, a technology director for WGW. Uh, I lead a product family uh, within our insurance consulting and technology uh, business line. Um, this uh, product family consists of about nine to 10 delivery teams focused on, and, and there's a multifaceted team that works on them, engineering, architecture, QA, DevOps, product product owners, UX, et cetera. Um, I started my career as a software engineer about uh, 23 or 24 years ago uh, and uh, have had the privilege of uh, building and working with some pretty amazing teams along the way um, in, in various organizations, uh, in, in various businesses. And um, it, it's been a wonderful journey. So I'm really excited to talk about some of my learnings along the way. Thanks. Amazing. Looking forward to it as well. Thank you. And Amit. Hi. Um, thanks for having us here, Myra. Uh, so I'm, I'm a Chukla and I work for BOQ Group within the Group Tech Department. Uh, we look after multiple banks within the BOQ Group, namely the Virgin Money, uh, Me Bank, Bank of Queensland, obviously, and BOQ Finance and BOQ Specialist. I work in the uh, API engineering team, so we provide backend API engineering for most of the projects. And we are currently building an integration platform for the entire organization. Amazing, thank you. And Vimal. Thanks, Mira, for having me. Um, happy to connect with you, uh, Ahmed and Raj, and learn as well. Uh, myself, Vimal, uh, I've been professionally a software engineering leader for the past two decades and currently working as a senior delivery lead at Arc. And um, we handle um, technology projects for Service Victoria. We have three uh, teams. Um, and we work mainly on the backend side of things for building the communications platform for Service Victoria. Um, yep, that's from my side. Thank you so much. And we will jump into the discussion today on how to build a truly agile organization. But I think it's important first to discuss how do we go about building an agile organization? What does a truly agile organization actually look like? I find this uh, a really big uh, topic. Uh, you know, so many volumes of books have been written on this. So um, we can, I'm sure, we'll only scratch the surface of a very large iceberg here. So, um, but that I think that being said, um, you know, agile has definitely been part of most of us who has been in engineering uh, life for a while. It's it's been around for quite some time. It's not a new topic, but it's always an evolving and interesting topic. How how do you build it, and how do you keep that agility going? Um, for me, I think, um, you know, there's a couple of things that come to mind. Um, one is really just making sure that if you're, 
if, if you're starting an agile journey, just, you know, you do want to make sure you follow the basics in some way or form, you know, that might be um, referring back to the agile manifesto or, you know, you read your lean startup by Eric Rice for starters, you know, and then you get to know what agile is about, um, you know, small teams, small increments, fail fast, all of those sort of paradigms, you know, you, you do want to follow them and make sure that at least some of those basics are uh, within your organization and, and the team. But it, I think it's, I found it quite important uh, to make sure that you adopt Agile that best suits your organization. Uh, every organization is different. Every product is different. And even teams within uh, within an organization could have di uh, different structures. And therefore, you need to make sure it fits um, uh, fits your business, your product, uh, the, 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 your clients, your customers, um, and, and, and potentially the technology stack that you're working with as well. And also if you're a legacy or a startup, again, it'll change. I'm seeing this being quite different in, in different places. So I think the getting the basics right and making sure it fits your organization uh, is really important. Um, I think that's, that's the first thing I would, I would probably touch on. Um, there's a couple of others, uh, one is, uh, which I'm quite sort of passionate about is making sure the why it's really important as a, uh, you know, make sure that you know why you're doing something. Why is agility important to you? What's, what does that agility look like for your organization, for example? So, um, I think that's quite, that's, that's, that's important. That comes from, um, the product owners or the, or the, or the, or the, the people or the business really, why are you building something, you know, make sure that that's clear in your, in your teams. And of course, uh, Keeping true to agile, always stay nimble and always, always uh, keep learning. I, I find that agile is definitely not a destination; it's a journey, uh, and uh, you just got to keep shifting and adjusting as you go along. Um, so, just probably some of the some of the things I've learned along the way in in this agile journey. Um, Amit, maybe I'll pass it yeah. over to you. <clears throat> Yeah, so when we start speaking about Agile, it's something really uh, important for me that I believe Agility is mostly an organizational construct. It's not something which is restricted to the teams. And in the last few years, it has become that it's looked more towards an engineering practice that it should have Agile. And that's where the problem is. You can't do Agile, you can't have Agile, you can be Agile. That, that's that's what at least I believe forever. And, and I've been privileged to work in a few organizations and I'm working in one of the, the best examples currently. Uh, and the whole idea is that in the last 20, 30 years, the environment, whether it's the economic environment or it's the technology environment, they've become very complex. The change, the speed of change is really high. So we all need to take those things into consideration all the time and pivot our strategies and change our approaches but just to survive. Forget, you know, just to take the competitive advantage is something different, but just to survive, we have to pivot on those. And that's where agility comes at them. And for me to have an agile organization, it all starts on the top rather than from the bottom, and which is all about emphasizing the need for collaboration, emphasizing the need for communication and creating an environment where people aren't scared to change. Pivot their uh, destination rather quickly. And that's very important. I've worked in an organization and it's, it's really weird to say this. Uh, quite a large organization did not have a concept of budgets. 
And the reason for that, the board really said, hey, if you have budgets, will you only do everything within that constraint without looking at the benefit of the organization? And if you don't have the budget, would you not do something if it benefits the organization? Now, that sets the tone from top and for everyone in the bottom. And that, that was a great learning set. I would always say this, for agility to succeed in an organization or for a good organization, we need to adopt agile culture, mindset, philosophy, right at the top, not just for the engineer divisions. Yeah, um, thanks Amit there. And Raj and Amit, I totally agree with all the points. And it's good to hear that it's, you know, one of the points which came up that, you know, it should be specific for an organization or the team. Like in one of the articles or podcast, uh, the author was comparing to agile teams to a soccer team, right? So, you know, the soccer team, when they go into a match, now they are in a totally new environment and how they adopt to that environment, their goal is to score and win, but how they ad adopt to it, you know, the weather, the opponents, you know, uh, they could be playing in totally new area. So in material of all that, they adapt to that, um, you know, um, all those uh, uncertainties and they eventually evolve as a, um, you know, um, team that scores and tries to win the game, right? And, um, you know, so so all the time I have this in my mind. I, I do play soccer as well, so maybe that comes to me because of that as well. So whenever we are, uh, you know, in any organization, you know, how, how can we all align towards that goal, uh, you know, of supporting the end user, right? And whenever in doubt, uh, I think about uh, what's there in the manifesto. Uh, what are the basics uh, that we should look back, uh, you know, um, uh, so that you know, um, you know, we don't go in a totally different direction. So uh, totally agree. That's I love the the soccer analogy, isn't it? It's, it's kind of a, a interesting one because um, yeah, it's so true. You could play two games with the exact same team, and it'll be your your conditions can be completely different. Uh, and it's it's a little like that in 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 our world. Uh, you could have uh, even from sprint to sprint, you could have a very similar looking. Uh, feature that you want to build, but you could have a completely different set of problems that you have to um, you have to deal with, and 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 truly agile teams are kind of able to handle that and still deliver something in, within that period. Um, but I, I did uh, to Amit's, Amit's point earlier. I think about the budget that was quite interesting because we were just talking before the podcast about that no rules rules book where it talks about budgets and how budgets are set. Uh, there's something to be said about how how that's done and how uh, how that's managed within organisations because uh, I, I think I, I believe in the Netflix scenario. Reed Hastings was talking about they don't actually have budgets whereby obviously they they do do have a budget, but you, you're allowed to spend whatever you like as long as you spend it like it's your own money uh, <laughs> and then if you did you did spend it and you get asked a question on it later on then uh, you need to be able to explain yourself uh, and that was the only requirement and most people actually was quite under budget at the end of the day anyway <laughs> yeah uh, and to add to that uh, Raj you know one of the sentence in that book uh, caught me very much like lead with context not control yes. you know I think that that means a lot you know because all these teams are working on different contexts. Even personally, we are in different contexts, especially with the COVID, uh, you know, uh, people going through different hardships, you know. So uh, having all that context when you build this agile environment is pretty crucial. And it has to be very much people-centric, uh, you know, because 
that's ultimately the uh, most valuable position for any organization right um yep yeah, so uh, just wanted to add that part as yeah. I'd, I'd agree. I think uh, the the why in what we do, you know, they always ask why are we doing something. A great another great book actually is a guy called Simon Sinek who who who's uh, quite prolific in this area. He wrote a book called Start with Why, which is a fantastic read, uh, and that goes into that detail. Why are we doing what we do? Uh, and, and if you have context, you're absolutely correct. It, I, I agree with that. Uh, it makes it much easier to. Um, uh, to to not only lead the team, but the team has context of what they need to do next as well. So, and that's often quite quite an important answer uh, to the problem you're trying to solve. So, just just adding to that, Raj, <clears throat> leading with why is, is a great idea. But one of the other important thing is making sure that 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 why distills down in every team to everyone. So, it is generally we've seen most of the organizations, people who are sitting on top, they would have a strategy in mind, or they have a direction in mind, or an objective, and they have their whys with it. Distilling that why down to the team, that's where most of the leaders, for lack of a better word, mess up the entire agility culture within an organization. So completely agree with your point that, yeah, lead, start with a why, but make sure that that why is also communicated really well within the organization. And that's when the good agile organizations uh, if you, you'll see that the team members just rally behind the leader's visions. Any tips, Emin, on how, how you communicate that as well? It's, um, there, there are multiple strategies mm. in various organizations. In some organizations, there are a lot of town halls, where whether it's the chairman of the organization. In, in our organization, it's a very clear example. We have regular uh, organization-wide meetings with the chairman of the board, with the CEO, with the CIO. After that, we have the GMs of the departments, and then we as senior managers within our organization, we conduct those. There is never an information vacuum within the organization. We are not left to think, oh, what's happening there? Or putting that why, why is it happening there? We are not left <laughs> wondering that. It, it, it's, it's always... Yeah, so the best strategy is you not only talk to your next level down, if possible, try to talk to the entire organization or the mm. team. Yeah, great. Yeah, I would uh, just add to that too. I mean, I, I think you're 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 totally correct in that. Uh, well, one little tool that I found works in a, a several organisations is OKRs using uh, you know objectives and key results. It's uh, something that was made famous by Google, I think, but it's used by quite a lot of organisations. And that's about really the goal for the CEO and the C level. It's really the same goal that your team and your most junior engineers goal is the same. It's actually cascaded all the way down. It's just what you do towards meeting that goal is a little different depending on what your role is and I totally agree that there needs to be alignment right the way across right from top to bottom and buy-in as well both ways because uh, if you don't have that buy-in from your senior leaders uh, it's very hard to uh, make sure that your uh, you know the, all the levels and the junior engineers are still playing to that same game that you want to get to the same objectives you're trying to get to uh, it's, yeah. it's agreed yeah, and uh, I think sometimes, you know, when you start these transformations as well, uh, we might have to over-communicate to make it as clear as possible, to put it explicitly, uh, you know, uh, because the one 
one sentence from me could have different interpretations, right? So that applies to all the levels, you know. So over communicate across the levels, encourage the team also to, you know, communicate as much as possible. If there is a silence, probably you should be scared of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. Thanks, everyone. And also really great on kind of clarifying to everyone what a truly agile organization looks like and how we go about building it. Keen to discuss as well, like what are some of the challenges when you scale up an agile organization? Well, I'll, I'll say this. It's the communication, the lack of communication. <laughs> <laughs> the, and we discussed about it, right, that we should need to distill everything down, whether it's in the form of OKRs or the, uh, the town halls or the various team meeting. When we start to scale up, it's easy, well, it's sort of easy to, in today's word to manage a team of 20, then 50, then 100. But when you grow from 20 to 100, how do you make sure that you brought those 20 and then the next 30 and then the last 50 along on that journey? So communication and setting up a clear destination for everyone and making sure that the culture is not changing for the worse. You always want to improve the culture of the organization. And those are the two important things. Making sure that the culture is not getting diluted along the way and ensuring that the communication is great. It should increase rather than decrease with the increase of the team size. Yeah. And interestingly, I happened to go through the State of Agile report, the 16th report. And, uh, you know, some of the points around uh, the challenges were one was not enough leadership participation, not enough knowledge about Agile, and then general organizational resistance to change. So these are some of the top things which has come up in the report. Um, um, you know, I've been lucky to work in organizations where the leadership also have been participating. So I don't know to what extent in other organization this is happening. But I think, you know, participation across the levels, you know, top to bottom uh, is very key. Um, yeah. And, and also breaking down silos, you know, uh, based on the businesses that uh, that are being run. So, for example, uh, been reading this book, Project Phoenix. I don't know if, uh, you know, that has come across. It, it's a, a novel based on an IT uh, um, uh, IT uh, senior leader uh, who takes on a, a business and tries to break the silos, uh, eventually helping that organization to become uh, agile. Uh, so the silos also could be a challenge sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 very true actually. The 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 the, the larger you become, the more you scale. Um, you know, it it is almost you tend to create silos when you scale because people, you know, teams tend to uh, gather together in the little bit that they're working on, whether that's because of a certain project or whether that's because of a certain feature that you're building or or, or, or product stream or whatever. So you, you're absolutely right. I think I I, I fully agree with both Vimal and Amit that the, the uh, that communication piece is is I think really 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 important and um, you know and again I think you'll find. Uh, that as you scale your teams up, um, you know, you, you you do have to trust your teams with more autonomy in what they do because, the, you, you know, and, and for that to work, um, that that context that we were talking about earlier becomes even more important because you, there is no way we, you could um, micromanage a, a team at a, at a leadership level uh, when you're scaling 
a huge, massive, massively. Uh, I, I recall uh, speaking with uh, um, some folks from Spotify at one point where, you know, they were going from, uh, you know, from the thousands to the tens of thousands, so to speak, or at least getting towards that number. And, and so they had to follow various strategies in, in how they were going to get there. Uh, and, um, and and I think those on a, on a technical aspect, having those clear contracts between various teams is really important. But then contracts are only as useful as knowing why are you building that as well and some of the why. So uh, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with uh, what, what was said earlier that uh, it, it is it is so important uh, that as 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 teams become more autonomous and you want teams to be autonomous in the way they build things, uh, it's that context of why you're building so that they can self-organize, they can be responsible for their own success. Uh, and and yet when they do deliver something, uh, that agreement between your team and another team is still kept. And so, you know, if you said, I'm going to build an API and I'm going to have the following contract in this API, then that contract is still kept. So the, all those downstream teams who might be using your API still can use it and they know it's going to. And if it's going to change, then that communication as to why it changed and how we changed, it becomes really important. So it comes back again to the of how you're going to uh, um, deliver something. And uh, I think we all know that Change is the only constant, isn't it? Things will always change <laughs> from from the next minute uh, to the one after that. So uh, I, I think, yeah, again, comes back, comes full circle back to that same thing where that communication piece becomes so important and constantly keep talking to each other. Yeah, we will just to add to that point, that state of agile report that you're talking about. One of the I can guarantee the common theme with the organization that are struggling with those uh, factors that you talked about. They are trying to do agile rather than trying to be agile. I, I can bet that because people just pick up a scrum framework from here or a safe from there, or they'll pick up a scrum ban or Kanban and then something, something, whatever, they'll pick it up and they'll try to implement that process. And they forget the very first principle of whether it's the agile manifesto within the engineering construct or within the organizational construct. You have to focus on people nothing else and it's always about processes at the end of the uh, at the end of the day for these organizations yeah i think about uh, i i recall about maybe a, lo a long time ago when agile became a thing you know if it's like oh let's let's all become agile <laughs> it was the cool thing to do mm -hmm. and uh, and so uh, and and i think there was a misconception back then that agile just meant you just deliver things faster you know you mm -hmm. were and it, it it's quite interesting so every every leader i remember back then um was well let's just deliver faster that's fantastic this is a silver bullet it's magic you know let's let's deliver faster let's get agile um you know the reality is it's it's not about being uh, faster because you still have the same amount of work to do that you always did it's just you know that flexibility isn't it and and there's a definitely a learning piece and uh many uh we we should be thankful that many leaders have learned this lesson along the way, but I'm I am quite sure that uh, you know this this is a story that has to continue to evolve, and people have to keep learning about this, and leaders particularly have to learn about this as we go forward. And yeah. and, and just to think about that is it's not about delivering faster; it's also about reducing waste. Mm. How do we reduce waste to deliver faster? Mm. Yeah, and that's also tricky, right? The the statement, uh, I think in the manifesto, uh, 
not to do work right there was a, a principle in agile and mm-hmm. the, initially i didn't get this but later on when we started producing waste i realized it's much better not to do that work yes. than creating waste right mm-hmm. so uh, that that's yes. very very uh, valuable principle mm-hmm. as well uh, and and also um, you know sometimes agile theoretically can be very simple to look at but uh, you know i think even products the great products out there are simple if you look at it but you know uh, when you go into the details and how do you arrive at that state that's what is more tricky right um you know so there is a lot of these things like for example in the software field you need to have um, you know test automation you need to have the right architecture uh, you know uh, you need to have devops uh you know uh, you need to have uh, the right uh, sized user stories so there are n number of things that eventually will lead you to the towards being agile uh, but that that needs mastery than the simple theory which is being talked about right yeah yeah and vimal i know you wanted to discuss a bit more like the tools that have helped in being agile oh uh, yeah yeah so um See some of the tools which uh, I have been familiar with is uh, you know of course uh, in in terms of uh, Scrum we have the sprint ceremonies you know the daily standups uh, the retros the reviews the showcase um, the backlog grooming uh, in terms of test automation you know having the unit testing coverage uh, that will help the team to uh, ensure that the uh, valid test cases are um, you know automated um, and make sure that you can go into production or go to the customer uh, in a safe way and quickly uh, you know devops uh, for example you know the um, ci cd pipelines and jenkins uh, for example that will help uh, the team to push uh, you know your features down into various environments so uh, you know you could have uh, a development environment you could have a uat environment you could have a prod environment and you could have different uh, ways in which you push things into these environments um you know so devops definitely and in terms of project management um you know uh, jira uh, is one thing which i think most of the teams have been using there are other tools like asana trello also uh now um with respect to the transparency which we have been talking earlier like um you know let's say um, you know the top um uh, leadership has decided on few initiative that has to be planned for a you know a, for a year or a period of 3 months or 6 months how do we get that across to uh, you know across all the teams so having a single place as a source of truth sometimes can be tricky so uh, some organization i have found uh, i have found that you know they use different tools uh, you know at different levels now that sometimes can lead to um, you know um, less transparency across the levels so how, how do we mitigate those for example i, I don't know if uh, raj or amit you have any insights on that like you know maybe jira align or some other similar tools wherein uh, you know we can ensure transparency across the levels uh, you know starting from the very top initiatives to uh, you know the user story so there is a full level of traceability as well so the team knows okay this actually is related to this initiative which the organization is looking forward to uh, yeah any insights on that well so um well from what you said and if i can understand that you're talking pretty much in the construct of implementing safe 
scale agile framework for enterprises. And there are several templates, I think that's available within JIRA as well, which will help you with exactly the same terminology, which links all the way from initiative to the epics, to the features, to the story, and then the bugs associated with that. So that, that might be a place to look at. Yeah. Um, the, the only reason that I, I don't know much about tools is I'm not a fan of tools. In, in my teams, it's, it's always about, hey team, what tool, this is what we have. Are you comfortable with it? Uh, okay, what do you want? Is this the new tool? Let's use it, but we're not going to change this because it is a new shiny tool. We're only going to change to this tool because it's not the previous one is not delivering any value. And I sort of tend to stay away from that conversation. My biggest tool is, and I sound like a broken record, is a communication with my team leads or yeah. with my engineers. That is the best tool you'll ever find. Find a great collaboration tool, whichever works for for every person in the organization. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, you know, in terms of tools and processes, we have to be agnostic because across teams and across the problems we are trying to solve, it might be another tool or process uh, uh, that could be working. The conversation, uh, like you said, I think is the key. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. That that's very true, and I, I think I would agree with that too. In in that, I think um, more more than the tool, I think it's just making sure that visibility is is there. You know, it is important that um, leadership has visibility as to what the teams are doing, and vice versa as the the what the leadership needs uh, from a delivery perspective. The teams are also aware of because that might be what's driving the business, and that's what's going to bring in the revenue and so on. And you know, if you're particularly in a startup environment uh, where you have a very limited limited um, uh, runway, uh, you know, it becomes all the more crucial and, and, and it's really it's really do or die situation where you do need to get to get before that runway is run out. You need to make sure you take that plane off, you know? So um, I think that visibility is really key. And I've seen this work at different organizations with lots of different tools with, uh, with Jira, with Azure DevOps, uh, even TFS for that matter. Many, many years ago, we were running spreadsheets. <laughs> so, you know, uh, and I'm sure there are organizations that do that, but I think, it's 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 visibility that's 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 really important. Just and and keep it as simple as you can as well. You know, it needs to be understandable, uh, and and use the thing that um, that makes sense for you. I I, I do. Uh, I do know that lots lots of organizations particularly will will have their own homegrown tools as well. They'll build their own tool, whether that's using something like Power BI or, or what have you, or or even a, a slide deck, you know, that you use regularly and update that and get together uh, and review where you are. Just You just got to know where you are. If you're not measuring, then you're not really improving. So you just really want to be able to be, just know where you are. And that's, that's really, really, and know that, Know that you know where you are as well, which yes. I think is is quite important. Some really great points raised so far. Thank you. And just moving on to our last question of the day, which was brought forward by Raj, which we will discuss how do you size and build predictability into an agile delivery team, especially when engineering complex products or features with so many unknowns to provide a predictable delivery timeline? Raj, if you'd like to start and provide some context for everyone, please. Yeah, th thanks, Mira. So th this question is really around predictability. And I think um, 
depending on your organization, I think every organization would like to have predictability and they, they would like to deliver certain things at, at certain times uh, and know that something is going to come uh, come off the production line at a certain time. And that might be because there are, uh, are clients waiting for that or customers that are waiting for their projects to kick off and then there's a downflow effect. Or you might have other within organization, within your own organization, other teams that are waiting for a certain feature to be ready so that they can continue on. So that's, that level of predictability is, is is important um and you know that's why the whole waterfall model lived uh, and was there to start with but um with agility um sometimes it, it can be difficult to also predict uh where something is going to get delivered uh because you may be working in small iterations and and trying to get something out and prove a certain concept but there might also be uh, difficulty in being able to size something. Uh, a T-shirt size may not be good enough for what you need to do and provide that uh, level of um, uh, certainty in, in what you're going to deliver. So I just wanted to put that question out there to see, uh, to Amit and Vimar, what you, what you thought about that, if that's a, also a challenge you may have seen uh, in, in your organizations or in, 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 in your careers. You want to go in? Uh, yeah, uh, so see, one of the things which I felt is uh, we need to have an uh, environment which where we can fail safely, uh, especially when we work with complex problems. Uh, and our fails experiment quick and fail safe. Uh, you know, so that will give the team a confidence, you know, to try out various things, especially when working on unknown uh, areas, right? And also, uh, it might be... Uh, good to have a list of options and out of those list of options let's say we have 10 you know actually the critical ones are six of them maybe four of ones are nice to have so and that 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 four options would be our sort of predictability like you know even if we miss that we'll still be able to give those critical options to the user and you know, so rather than it's not about adding more team, building more team, it's always the key thing is I I believe to have those options, you know, and also have those nice to have options as well. So that even if you know we know that things can change, new things can come in as well, you know, on the way down the line, <clears throat> down the line, we have some other critical options that we need to pick in. We can safely remove these you know, nice to have options. So that's uh, my two cents based on my understanding. Yeah. So Raj, you said something really interesting. That was that where the traditional uh, project management brought that kind of predictability you're talking about. So one thing which was very good about the traditional way was that they all, they always said there are only three levers you can tweak for anything, for any project. It's scope, budget, and time, right? They hold very true for our agility as well. We still have those three levers, right? We can only tweak either the scope that we need to deliver or the budgets that we've been given to deliver in or the time. So if you if you know the time is constant, that's a sprint life cycle. Uh, and then we know what our budgets are in terms of how many engineers and how many other uh, people are involved in that team. That just leaves one and one thing only, the scope. So cut down my view has been cut down that project into manageable size and start working from that and learn from the previous experiences. We all have had such great, I think between three of us, we have over 60, 65 years of cumulative experience here. 
And in every organization within your teams, you will always have that kind of luxury that we have a total of 70, 80, 100 years of experience. Use that, that someone must have come across this problem before. How did we do it? How did we cut it in pieces? That's important. And that's the whole point of creating those stories. Break them in consumable sizes. So one of the best way to make sure that we deliver what we commit to is before committing, one, Break it into smaller pieces that we all understand. Uh, even if it's a strategy, even if it's a five-year strategy, break it down to three months, two months, one month, whatever works, break it down to that point. Then look at the past performance of how we've been able to achieve those kind of commitments. On those two bases, you'll always have an answer. How much more budget do we need to achieve this? Or how much less budget we need? And that, that's how it generally worked for me. Mm. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense, Ahmed, actually. It, it, it is quite interesting, actually, the, the point about uh, the, the old waterfall method. Uh, and it was, it was interesting because I, I, there was a, a false sense of uh, predictability within, isn't it, to be fair. Uh, it, was, it was no project ever ran on time, <laughs> you know, in, in that sense. Uh, so there was there was obviously smaller things were easier to predict, uh, but larger things. Uh, the problem was in the old method, you by the time you got to the end, uh, you know, it's it's much like pointing a ship at a certain location, and then you just drift slowly uh, until such time that once you get to the location, you're you're miles out of where you needed to be. Um, whereas uh, being agile to me is really about make, being able to like uh, like in sailing, you you make very small course corrections along the way, and that that those small course corrections really help you to get to that uh, end, end result uh, much better. Maybe you're not quite where you want to be, but it's 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 a lot better than where you would have been if you didn't make those course corrections, as well. So um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's very true. I, uh, and I agree. I think, and and also the small, small, smaller deliverables. It's it, it. I also find that that's the that's the way. That that's one of the best ways to bring in some of that predictability because. Um, um, the, the the larger the piece, the more things can go wrong within that time frame you're trying to deliver. So the, the smaller things that you do, and also you can prove concepts. I've I've been in a several situations where um, it was exciting. We built things that actually to a certain degree was not built before uh, and at least a problem technically that wasn't solved before which was interesting place to be because you can't google the answer uh, there's not a big community that you can reach out to to ask a question so it was tricky um, but I think again if you if you deliver small pieces and prove little bits and pieces along the way okay that works that didn't work. Let's learn from that. You know, let's you know, and, and you change slightly, make those small course corrections. It does seem to get you there. And uh, yeah, yeah. In, in many of those cases, we got there at the end, or at least learned some very hard lessons along the way. So. And and in that journey, it's also important to make sure that the person who's asked for that particular outcome is also involved in that journey. Right. It's it's um, if the person comes and says, "Hey, I want this." Okay, we build this and then show them after these many months. So zero value. I'm 100% sure we will never be able to give them that. Yes. So yes. just involve anyone and everyone in that journey. That's also important. Uh, unhappy stakeholders at the end otherwise, isn't it? Stakeholders, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be just slightly less unhappy. <laughs>
<laughs> improvements. And yeah, I really liked your point there, Mitt, on just how much knowledge within an organization that you actually have and just delving into that is such an advantage that you should make make use of for sure. Um, we'll leave it there, the conversation for today, but thanks everyone so much for the great discussion and a big thanks again to Bimal, Raj and Amit. So thanks everyone so much for listening.